The Data Reaper podcast is a companion which provides extra insight into the weekly report found at ViciousSyndicate.com. Join us for a deeper dive into the numbers to help you improve your Hearthstone game. Hello and welcome to episode 110 of the Data Reaper podcast. I'm your host, Ridiculous Hat, and I am joined as always by the Death Knight, Zacho. Zach, how you doing? How you doing, Hat? Good morning to you. Good morning. We were recording this at 9 a.m. on Sunday morning because yesterday my work was uh, very demanding, as my co-host may have quote tweeted to bring attention to my amateur plumbing shenanigans. Um, it's... It's been a busy weekend for me and my day job, but we're not here to talk about my day job. We are here to talk about Death Knight, our night job, because uh, Death Knight looks cool, and they're doing a different thing with the reveals this season, where they're giving us card packages and letting us build decks faster. As of right now, the morning on November 13th, we have every Death Knight card and every neutral in the new set. We can build decks. Let me say, let me say that the way that this reveal season has been planned and prepared, it's it's the best reveal season we've had. This is the best way to do it. Uh, it's the most exciting way to do it. You get a, you get a burst of cards all together. You're able to talk and speculate about all of them together. I think it creates interesting narratives, and it's fun. And if if Team 5 is listening, then I'm going to say it. Very good job. Please keep doing this the way that you're doing it right now in future expansion. Because I think that you hit the jackpot like in terms of how this, this is shaping out. Really, like, like more content creators are involved this way. And it's just great. It's just great for like, I don't need to look at a card and then say, oh, maybe in the final dump of the neutrals, there is some context and it works with that. No. Now when cards are revealed, I can understand, oh, this goes with that and this helps with that. And this kind of neutral that we saw before earlier affects this class card. It's all great in terms of speculation and and building up hype. Uh, So uh, very, very good job. The ability to build decks now is such a huge deal. Like, it just, it's, we don't have to wait to do the fun thing. And that means that as new cards and new classes are revealed, we get to build more decks for those classes if we want to. We get to experiment. But, like you said, we, uh, remember, the card I remember, remember Glide? Glide was, it prompted a 25-minute discussion on this show, and then they printed Voracious Reader and dropped it in the card dump, like, a week later. It's like, all right, well, none of that mattered. Yeah, yeah, I that was amazing. Like, I, like I remember how everyone was out of their minds about Glide, and then like after you see Voracious Reader, like Glide suddenly became unplayable, right? Like card until they printed Final Showdown later on, but that was a different set. But the point is, it's just so good to have all the context when you're revealing the card. It just helps you build hype towards. Okay, this is how we're going to use this card. This is cool. And yeah, and every streamer, content creator, they get to reveal more cards, right? They they get to show more stuff, showcase more stuff, talk about more stuff. Yeah, theoretically, there are fewer total reveals because they're revealing cards together. Um, but I think the, the idea here is still, it's so much better for the player that it's worth it. 
And there's still more than enough cards for them to give out. Look, with the neutrals this set, which they did over the weekend, they had them posted to the Hearthstone Reddit and the official Hearthstone Discord just to give those outlets a chance. So really nice job. I'm very happy with uh, with how we get to process the reveal season. And of course, they start with the new cool thing. So we're going to talk about the new cool thing. That is the Death Knight class, which is really three classes in one, a little mix and match. Now, listener, I know we said we can build decks. We can. We have not theorycrafted yet. We are just going to poke through the cards. I may have started, Hat. Okay. A little bit. I may have started. But this is not, you're not going to listen to this podcast as a replacement for the for the 30 decks or 33 or 39 or whatever, however many you're going to build for day one. It's going to be more than 30, that's for sure. Uh, yes. For Death Knight, I think I'm, I'm going to do more than three uh, just because like new exciting class and stuff. And somebody in the Discord said, uh, it's not like three classes, it's more like, it feels like Death Knight is like three mini classes and they have dual cards. Yeah. It's kind of this uh, thing that you can mix and match uh, all sorts of packages. Uh, and it's it's definitely cool. I think what they did very well is capture the flavor of every rune really well. Like each, each rune has a really good I- clear identity. So that's, I, I think, that is the fun part. It feels distinct, and I do think it's worth... All right, before I get distracted, so we're, we're still doing regular reports, still doing da- regular data reaper reports. There's a wild report today. Yeah, coming out today, yeah? Coming out today, can check it out. We haven't done a wild report in a while, but because there was no balance patch in a while, then, uh, then that led to the opportunity of us uh, making a wild report. And the wild report is really interesting, actually. There's a lot of uh, insightful stuff, and you can check it out and play wild. I think wild is a pretty nice format right now. Um, it, it's uh, it's in a pretty good spot. A lot of players also say it when they when they talk about wild right now that wild is in a pretty good spot. And usually, usually, wild is not um, labeled as that. Usually, the people who play wild complain, "Oh, that this this deck and it's really frustrating." But now I'm getting like really positive vibes, and I think that the report also showcases that. So that's cool. And you can play original Edwin Van Cleef if you want to. Yes, and it's good. It's very, very good. Both Edwins are pretty good. And uh, yeah, so we have a wild report today. We have a normal standard report. We have more content coming up, uh, significant content. Uh, there's tons of Death Knight cards to to preview, right? So we have a, like, usually we have at the end of the, like, towards the build up to the expansion, we have a, comprehensive preview of a set and we have theorycrafting right so theorycrafting we're probably going to have more than the normal number of decks because we have death knights and death knights are really cool and we want to theorycraft more stuff for death knights but also we have an entire set of death knight cards from core and path of arthas which are not expansion cards that also need to be reviewed right it also need to be thought of so there might be an additional article just discussing um the death knight cards themselves and we're gonna score it and do everything and it's probably gonna happen before the preview of the expansion it's gonna happen probably like in the week in the lead up to the expansion so there's gonna be more content than normal on the website uh so you can get excited for that and there's gonna be more stuff maybe in the reveal season as well who knows but in any case let's get to it i want to talk about we're gonna obviously we're not gonna go card by card. We're not gonna talk about every Please, no. Death Knight card specifically Please, God, no. because that's gonna take that's gonna take ages. But we're gonna highlight things that 
for now, at first glance, are things that you should keep, you should be mindful of, that I think that we find interesting, interesting interaction, interesting packages. Standouts. That, yeah, standout stuff that I think are worth talking. And here's the funny thing, Hat. When they revealed Death Knights, I didn't realize that there would be cards that have no runes at all. Yep. Like, there are runeless cards that are just cards that every deck, every Death Knight deck can run. And those cards, I want to start with those, actually. The base cards, yeah. We'll, we'll start with those uh, because they're going to be pretty common and a lot of these are glue. So before we even get into that, just as a reminder on how the rune system works, there are three different rune types blood frost unholy you have three total slots and and cards can have one of a certain type of rune two or three so if you pick a triple blood card you can only play blood If you pick a double blood card you can fit in one frost one unholy rune uh, and this is a balancing mechanism in addition to flavor but this changes which cards you can play together so the way that i describe it for people that are concerned about the power level of DK, people that play Demon Hunter, imagine if Skull of Gul'dan and Alturus could not have gone in the same deck. That is the idea, and so they're able to push cards in a powerful way, but you'll never have to worry about seeing them together, or at least maybe a Venomous Scorpion can get involved, maybe Legendary Discovers, but because Discovers do not care about your deck building. They, they just they do what they do. Um, they discover anything regardless of what runes you have which is potentially important. But otherwise, I really like the tension here and how if they needed to balance something, they could add a rune to something or remove it if they wanted to. Yeah, it, it just uh, adds another layer of balancing and and allows them, again, to push power to uh, certain cards uh, uh, because of the restriction. Much like other deck restriction, like I, I don't see it there. Like it's like Highlander restriction, right? You, you're yeah. able to push a Highlander payoffs uh, to make them more powerful than you normally make a card and or cost rec- restrictions or minion restrictions. These happen in Hearthstone all the time. And this is a new way to put restrictions uh, to apply them into the game. Yeah, what I like the most about it is that it dodges draw variants because when we see Drek'thar, Vandar, Highlander, whatever, then often your payoff is contained in a single top deck. Whereas here... The restriction only matters in your deck building screen. So when you're in a game, your choices are decided, locked in, and it doesn't change what you draw. It just changes the composition of the deck that you were able to bring to the table. So there's no draw my single busted card that I took the other double copies out of my deck for. I don't know, Had. I still think that, like, I mean, the 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 three rune super powerful busted payoff is still going to be... um. Powerful. There's still going to be some draw variants there. Sure. I mean, it's still Hearthstone, but it's not Drek'thar. It's not Zephyrus. I'll say this. It's not like you're running intentionally bad cards, like in a Highlander deck, where, right, like the deck is just worse. You're just adding worse cards in order to make some card work. Here, you're not really adding worse cards. It's that you're just, you just can't tap into the most powerful cards of other archetypes in the death knight set right um so that's uh that's interesting and you know i i I started to dabble a little bit in deck building but i didn't really get to a lot of things but what i did realize 
is that the runeless cards could be very important. I think the first card that I think is going into every Death Knight deck, everyone, is Body Bagger, the one drop. So one mana, one three, with a battle cry, gain a corpse. This is this is the glue card, right? Like this is absolutely the glue card that you run in every DK deck to have a one drop and to get your resource going. So as a reminder, There's- corpse is the new DK resource. Whenever a friendly minion of yours dies, you get a corpse, a little number that's underneath your bar, uh, and you use those for resources uh, to yeah, activate certain. It's cards. a resource. You can trigger it to, yeah. There's there are many cards that expand corpses and they can be very powerful and some of them are very powerful in the early game so having a body bagger a a one mana minion that basically generates two corpses right it generates corpse as a battle cry and it generates corpse when it dies so in a sense uh it's a it's a double tap it's a really good ratio for gaining corpses two for one mana and this is probably a card that you're going to see in every demon every death knight deck because uh, in the decks that have generate like unholy decks that generate a lot of corpses, right? Then this is fantastic because it hel- helps you swarm the board. It's a one mana one three contest. It helps you. Uh, there are snowbully two drops in uh, unholy that you want to run. So having this on one that curves out into the two drop that requires a corpse is fantastic. Uh, and then in like uh, a more corpse-starved uh, archetype like Frost, Frost has less corpse generation. Then this is a lifesaver. Well, well, not a lifesaver for the corpse. You know what I mean. But uh, yeah, so it really helps uh, archetypes that don't have the means to generate as many corpses. They have this roomless card to add to their deck and able to to activate some stuff. Um so Body Bagger is a card that I think is a staple. It's going to be a staple in all uh, Death Knight archetypes, and it's going to be you're going to see a lot of it. It's going to be very, very impactful. Um, other stuff that's interesting is like Skeletal Sidekick, which is another one drop, but it's not really a one drop. It's like it's a one mana one two battle cry, give a friendly undead plus two attack. So obviously, if you're playing an aggressive Death Knight uh, deck, you're you're going to see that card. Uh, it really helps you snowball in a way, like it's an aggressive beaming psychic, right? Uh, for for an undead tribe, so that card is I, I expect to see some play. Oh, that's a that's a pre nerf abusive sergeant. Yeah, basically, but it's permanent. It's not temporary. It's a permanent uh, pre pre the original abusive sergeant back oh, in the, the alpha day. the the alpha back abusive in the sergeant. Day. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's for tribes, just for undead. It only works on undead. I mean, yes, but it is obviously very powerful. And another very important runeless card is uh, Chillfall and Baron. Uh, three mana, two, two. Battlecry and Death Rattle draw a card. So, this draws two cards, basically. For three mana, Arcane Intellect on a two, two. Yes, the second draw is not immediate, but it this does draw two cards for three mana, and it is a body. This is a runeless card. A lot of Death Knight decks are going to be, with the exception of Frost maybe, are going to need card draw. And Baron is absolutely going to be a staple for these for these archetypes. You're going to see a lot of Baron just because it's an efficient way to draw cards in, in, in Death Knight without having to tap into the Frost spec, uh, Frost Rune. So... 
Uh, Baron is a card I like when you build Death Knight decks, you immediately understand why this card is very, very important. Uh, other uh, runeless card, I think, are not that big of a deal, but there is another one that's very important, which is Corpse Bride. Uh, it's a five mana four four with a battle cry. It's an undead battle cry. Spend up to eight corpses. Summon a risen um, groom with stats equal to the amount spent. So this could be a five mana four four that summons an eight eight. It's like a spiteful summoner kind of card. Abyssal summoner. Yeah, yeah, that is true. Right, it's more of an abyssal summoner. Uh, so w- what happens is. Uh, like any kind of archetype that generates a lot of corpses can get a payoff at five mana that just generates huge threats like 12-12 and stats potentially up to that. Uh, this is a big stat bomb. This is a big threat that any Death Knight can have potentially have access to and also works incredibly well with a card that we'll talk about later specifically in the unholy uh, of the unholy type. But we'll get to that when we talk about when unholy. When we talk about but- unholy handlock. Yeah, those so th- those are my three standouts in terms of runeless cards, uh, and I think we're gonna see quite a bit of those cards uh, when the expansion launches. The the only one that I mentioned that we haven't said already is Rune Forging, because uh, Death Knight got a very efficient weapon tutor. Uh, it's one mana shadow spell, draw a weapon, and then spend a corpse to reduce its cost by one. So you either spend a mana or spend a corpse, basically, on that weapon. Um, and if you spend the corpse instead, you get your mana back. And there are a lot of pretty decent weapons here, in addition to the original based Frostmourne, which is also runeless. I don't anticipate that seeing a lot of play, but Frostmourne at six mana is a lot better than Frostmourne at seven mana, for obvious reasons. Uh, and you can just go and get it, basically, whenever you want to. And Blood has a good weapon. Frost has three decent weapons. Uh, I it, This is something that, even if it's not highly relevant in this expansion, a one-mana weapon tutor that gives you the mana back has to be relevant at some point in this class. This card is too efficient to not be relevant. Yeah, this card definitely, Runeforging, is another card that makes you think differently about all the weapons that are available to the class because of the added consistency in potentially getting them without potentially even it costing you mana because this is essentially, if you spend a course, this is a zero mana draw weapon, right? Um, So in that sense, that is a very efficient card that it can definitely find use in any Death Knight deck that is interested in utilizing a weapon. Um, Yeah. So runeless cards definitely, I think they did a good job in making them um, sort of baseline, some sort of standalone uh, strength of the class that you can tap into them if there's a need. Um, And they give you some more deck building freedom. Okay, so are we going to go alphabetically? We're going to start with Blood, Frost, and Unholy? Yes, we will start with Blood. Uh, and blood for those that haven't seen the vibe here uh control warrior but with lifesteal instead of armor uh so it's like a control warrior fell or soul shard dh kind of vibes uh there is a lot of removal here decent amount of damage based removal couple non-damage based spells a uh, whole bunch of life gain but also 
there's kind of a an evil paladin hand buff sort of theme going on at the same time. Seems a little bit less fleshed out, but still, it's here. Yeah, there, there's there's two identities that I see here. One is very much the control warrior kind of deck that has insane survivability, life gain, uh, removal, uh, and, and really attrition kind of play style. And I think that is very heavily supported in the expansion cards specifically of March and the Lich King. And, but also in the other cards, it's just very flavorful, like attrition, longevity, and uh, yeah, playing very defensively, very tanky. And it, it fits Blood Death Knights and, and World of Warcraft as well. That is the tank spec um, for, of the class. So it makes sense. And that's definitely the first thing that I think the more flesh out. And the other thing is the hand buff that you said. I think less flesh out may, I think you're looking at potentially going a little bit into the unholy spec with it um, because they have some synergies together, but I'm less sure about that direction. Yeah, but it's worth noting, it's hard to look at these rune cards and think about it as blood does this well or doesn't do this well because you're not meant to just play all these together necessarily. The uh, the blood hand buff cards, one of them is double rune, and the rest are all single rune. So you would definitely look at unholy or other specs to pair with these. So we're going to look at them out of the context of any kind of mix and match deck, but it's hard to say where they land because we're talking about three different thirds of cards that you can, who knows how they're going to fit together. Yeah, uh, I will say that when it comes, I'm I'm pretty excited about Blood Death Knight. Actually, are you a triple blood gamer? Is that what you're gonna do? I am absolutely a triple blood gamer. This like it just like for me. The only question is, how does this deck close out games? I think that there is a way. I I believe that there is a way. And but the thing that obviously the first thing you notice about Blood Death Knight is the ability to at least get to 60 life in total, maximum life without discovering because of Vampiric Blood, which is a two-mana spell. Give your hero plus five health, spend three corpses to gain five more, and draw a card. So basically, if you have three corpses and you play this card, you get 10 health. You get, like, if you're at 25, you get to 35, and your maximum health gets to 40. So this is how it works. So basically, if you have if you play two Vampiric Bloods and you run Renathal on top of it, you can get to 60 life. And we're not even talking about Venomous Scorpion that can discover another Vampiric Blood or a school teacher that can discover more. The point is that Blood Death Knight can get so tanky and get such an incredible high life total that even combo strategies with a significant amount of damage may not be able to finish them off. Like, if you're at 60 life, the amount of damage that is needed to, to kill you is pretty significant. It's, it's You need like phylactery warlock kind of stuff in order to finish the, them off. So that is quite a big deal. Uh, the other thing that I think is I find like this is a card I expect. Like if there's a rune nerf hat, it's going to happen here. Patchwork. Patchwork is a one blood card. 
it's a one blood rune card. And it's a seven mana four six with a battle cry. Destroy a random minion in your opponent's hand, deck, and battlefield. So it has a deadly shot effect. It has a mutinous effect. And also destroys a card in an opponent's deck. This is giga mutinous. This is a huge disruption card for a late game attrition deck. It can deplete the opponent's resource significantly. It can hit a core win condition in their deck. You have three shots to do it. Well, you have two shots to do it, sorry. The one in that board doesn't matter, but you have two shots to do it. You can get a card from the opponent's deck on top of the hand, and you can hit their Denathrius, their Jailer, their all sorts of stuff. Much better than Mutinous. And again, one blood restriction. You run this absolutely in every... Obviously, you run it in Drip of Blood, no doubt about it. But I think that this is a tempting uh, card uh, for other archetypes as well to just run. Uh, if you're value-centric and you have, you want to go into the late game, you might consider Patchwork. Um, another interesting card is that is a bit, I think, more questionable on the surface as a win condition is the Triple Blood Alexandrus Morgrain. Oh, boy. this is, So this is a Reddit what are the designers doing card. That is what this is because it, the text, like, the text on its surface seems crazy, but you think about it, they, I, Zach, I swear, they keep printing slower and slower from hand damage to the point where it's like, we can't get any slower than this. This is like a turn 20 kill, but people are still like, oh, they need to nerf this card with brand. Do they? Do they really? Does it need to be nerfed? My initial impression is that people think this card is not good. You did not go on social media very much yesterday, did you? No, I guess not. I was busy working on the wild report, so I guess uh, I wasn't around. It's in the Vicious Syndicate Discord, I am sure that there is a different vibe, but I can tell you on general social media, people are, this is a very flashy text box. I will also note, the original reveal was a 7-mana 3-7, and then Celestalon said, by the way, the updated stats are in the website, it's a 7-mana 7-7. This is what I was going to talk about next, Hat, because if you are concerned that this card is powerful... They already buffed it. They already buffed it. It can't be that good. This buff that they made it pretty much hints to you that this card is not that good. If this card was that good, they wouldn't have buffed it from a 3-7 to a 7-7. Seven, seven. Now, obviously, as a 7-7, seven, seven, it's kind of a threat, right? 7 mana, 7-7. Seven, seven, it deals immediately 3 damage to the opponent and continues to do that forever. Oh, we didn't read what the card does. We didn't read what the card does. Battle Cry is 7 mana, 7-7, seven, seven, Legendary Undead, Triple Blood. Battle cry for the rest of the game, deal three damage to your opponent at the end of your turn. So every single turn for the rest of the game, they take three damage. Can't stop it. What happens? It looks like a crappy quest reward. So the 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 point of this obviously payoff for triple blood, like control warrior kind of deck, like a, a very a longevity heavy deck attrition is this is attrition, right? Deal damage over time. It's slow damage. It doesn't kill your opponent immediately, but it can pile up right after three. Like, okay, let's think about this hat. If there was a card that was a seven mana, seven, seven, that on battle cry dealt a certain amount of damage to the opponent, how much damage would make you interested? Like if this dealt, if there was a card that dealt on battle cry, not for the rest of the game, 
dealt eight damage. You'd start getting interested, right? Seven mana, seven, seven, eight damage to the opponent hero. Oh, I would totally play that. I think around five is when I start really thinking about it. Yeah, so this deals three on the first turn. If you're starting to think about five, then by the second turn, already does six. By the fourth turn, it does 12. So in terms of like, if the game goes long, if you play this on seven and the game goes long, this can deal an immense amount of damage. Like this, this can deal a lot of damage. However, throughout Hearthstone's history, there have never been a point where the average game length, like the, the length of the average game is like significantly more than nine turns. Right? It's never been more than 10. It's never been 10. It's always been the, the slowest Hearthstone ever been recently was like nine point something turns. So on average, if you play Mograine on curve, it's going to deal six damage, uh, which is not that much. It's probably not going to determine outcomes, but it is a very, let's say it's a very good card in long drawn out games. And it's a very bad card in fast games, right? Uh, against aggressive decks, this is kind of useless, pointless, 7-7-7, seven seven, seven, no taunt, no lifesteal, no removal, nothing. Um, but it is a card that fits the playstyle of this deck because this deck's game length, right, is not going to be 9 turns. <laughs> this deck is going to extend games over 10, like, right? Average game length of Hearthstone may, not, may be 9 at most, but there are decks that have an average game length of 11, 12 turns. And in that case, this can deal 15 very easily. This can be very powerful. But it's dependent on the deck. It's dependent on certain matchups. I don't think it's that crazy. But again, what sells me on this card not being that crazy is the fact that it was printed at, it was initially made as a 3-7 and they felt the need to buff it to a 7-7. And you don't make that kind of buff if that card was performing that well, if the effect was that powerful, Right. Uh, so obviously I'm going to run this card at least initially, but this is the kind of card that definitely you run in the first day and maybe when you figure out later, then it's not that good and you actually cut it. So I am totally unsure whether this card is actually going to be meta, is going to be relevant, whether this card is that powerful. I don't think so. I don't think it's going to define the meta. It's either for me, either a useful card for this specific archetype or it's just total bait. Uh, I'm not sure. We'll see. But I think this card is really cool. I think it's great that this card exists. I mean, it's slow damage. It's not OTK or anything like that. Anything crazy. But it, it fits the profile. It, it fits the character. More grain. It's perfect for it. Uh, I won't explain. You can ask people on the Discord. Vicious Syndicate Discord. Why this is a perfect flavor. I'm pretty sure that anyone who's played WoW. Knows why this is a perfect flavor for the character. Uh, because of his abilities in the game. But yeah, uh, Mograine is cool and flavorful and awesome and people are going to have fun with the card for sure. Um, yeah, but let's talk about cards that I really feel are really powerful, which is the removal package of the blood. You look at uh, uh, Soul Stealer, 8 mana 5-5 five five with triple blood rune. This is only triple blood can run this card. Battlecry, destroy all other minions, gain one corpse for each enemy destroyed. So, like, this can be, like, a huge swing. This is, like, entitled customer type of card. Uh, but in a way, like, you don't need hand size, right? It's slower, 
but it's bigger and it gives you huge corpses so you can like clear the board and then use the corpses that you gain to, to make like a big swing turn the next turn. This card is very powerful, I think, and is probably going to see play. You, twisting nethers on stick that have upside and stats is not something that you're going to write off, right? Uh, obviously, there is like blood boil, which is going to be like, imagine you're playing Agadrid. Uh, and you get blood boil, five mana, two runes, two blood runes, life steal, infect all enemy minions. At the end of your turn, they take two, da two damage. So they're infected, and every time they take for damage, they heal you. So let's say you're playing Agadrid, and you just played Pride's Fury, and your opponent played blood boil, and all your minions took two damage. They didn't kill the minions. He didn't kill you. Your opponent didn't kill the minions, but those minions are healing your opponent. They're not dealing damage to it. Like, let's say you have a two attack minion that's infected. You attack for two, and then they take two damage, and they heal back. Uh, it makes very difficult for wide boards to kill a blood death knight. Super thematic, too. This is exactly how it works in WoW. Like, it's your yeah. vampiric blood plays into the idea of just giving your life total more room so you can heal for large chunks, take more and deal more and heal more. It's really, really on brand. And yeah, I would not want to be playing Agridrude or whatever into a Blood DK ever. It seems like a nightmare matchup. Also, Corpse Explosion Hat, five mana, another board clear. You detonate a corpse, right? Uh, to deal one damage to all minions. If they're still alive, repeat it. So as long as you have enough corpses, uh, that as long as you have corpses that are equal count or more than the minion with the highest health in the on the board, you're gonna clear the board. Uh, this is a massive board clear. This reminds me, you know what? This is like uh, there was a shaman. Uh, there was a mechanic uh, back in uh, the year of the dragon where they printed spells that kept ticking by one, and there was a shaman board clear. For five oh, mana, your Hagatha's scheme. Yeah, this very much reminds me of Hagatha's scheme, but the scaling of this and the likelihood of this just clearing the board on turn five is much more prevalent, right? It's much more likely that you're going to build enough corpses to deal a huge amount of damage compared to Hagatha's scheme that ticks for one every turn and it started at once very, very slow. This is a lot more explosive, literally. So... You see, like, hearts, uh, uh, death strike, four mana, life steal, deals six damage to a minion. You start getting it, right? Like, six heal and deal six. So this is like a, a life steal fireball. You can only hit minions with this, but this is a massive swing in terms of health. Um, so there's a lot of survivability. Asphyxiate. I, I, I love this card, Hat. Asphyxiate, basically is three mana, destroy the highest attack enemy minion with two blood runes requirement. Basically, deadly shot that always high rolls. Always hits the minion you wanted to hit. Miracle Rogues, you're playing uh, Location, Sinstone Graveyard. We're going to asphyxiate you, and good luck uh, hitting face without ghost. Not going to happen. So... Lots of survivability, lots of removal, lots of life gain. Uh, but slow deck, likely going to be a slow deck that is uh, 
going to win through attrition and uh, we'll see how it can uh, build the win condition. I will I will say one thing that people should take note of is I think Bone Guard Commander is a sleeper card in this deck, in this archetype potentially. It's an 8-8 taunt that... Single Blood Rune. Single Blood Rune, just single. Uh, Battle Cry, raise up to six corpses as 1-2 Risen Footman with taunt. So this means you can have like, this can generate like 20 health and taunt. Like make a massive board, be a corpse payoff for blood. And this works very well with Denathrius. Maybe you, you fit a Denathrius win condition into the blood. It, 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 it fits. It makes sense. Uh, so we'll see. But yeah. Uh, you didn't talk about my favorite blood card. What, what, what's your favorite blood card? No muncher. Six mana. Five, six, undead, single blood rune, taunt, lifesteal, at the end of your turn, attack the lowest health enemy. Yes, this can go face. This is Ziliax. Play Ziliax. Cards nuts. Imagine you're any kind of aggressive deck and you face this. It immediately attacks. It can go face, but it's probably not going to against minions. And then you got to punch through this thing. I would gather this is going to be a 10 to 15 point life swing most of the time it comes down. Uh yeah, I mean, <laughs> this card is definitely this card also fits with the potential hand buff kind sure of does. synergies that are going on with the with the blood run. Uh, maybe not in the control warrior type, but uh, maybe a faster blood deck. Uh yeah, I like this card a lot because it goes face. So in my eyes, it's better than Zilliax. But it is it can be a little bit sketchy if like your opponent has a big threat on the board, then you kind of. It's awkward to play it, so I don't think it's always perfect. But I do think I I do agree. It's a it's a nice card. It reminds me of a Bonneville Lieutenant, uh, in a way. Um, it's it's I, I it's it's definitely fun. I can see why it's your favorite blood card. Also because it's not a Control Warrior card. Well, probably Control Warrior still plays it, but you get one. I if you're if you're doing Renathal, then this is in the deck. Don't try and tell me that you got thirty like thirty eight other cards that are better than this. Yeah, yeah. It goes in, for sure. Yep. And there are lots of other options. We're not going to go card by card. Oh, there is this one drop. I want to talk about this one drop. Noxious Cadaver. Of course, Hat talks about the one drop. Okay. <laughs> Come on. This card is crazy. This is a single blood, one mana, one, two, it's undead. Very good. Battle cry, deal two damage to an enemy and your hero. So, just to recap, one drop, one, two, undead, that deals two damage when you play it. This is a one mana Merc Spark kill. Yes, you take two damage. Who cares? I don't care. This is prob. There's probably not a, a blood deck for this. There is probably some kind of swarmy zooey deck that is probably double unholy that this goes in and this totally goes in. Cards, cards, really, really good on rate. I agree. I built a double unholy one blood and this goes in. Yep. Also, it is a big. It is a big part of my favorite Death Knight archetype. Open mouth DK. Where you just include all of the cards that have open mouths in the art. <laughs> this art is pretty no cool. No Muncher and Noxious Cadaver are both in that deck. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, so Blood, we get it. It's uh, basically uh, Grief, Death Knight, uh, going to run you out of health. Uh, it's going to suck your life total and just live forever. Uh, but... Is it going to stand up uh, to late game th strategies with strong lethality options? We'll see. Uh, 
There are concerns with this uh, spec as well with Blood Death Knight with its ability to close games. If you're able to find out, figure out how this deck is going to reliably close games and actually kill the opponent beyond uh, Mograin, then I think this uh, this deck has great potential. Like you need, I think you need to look at uh, Mograin as more of a complementary piece that you know whittles down the opponent until you're able to land a killing blow. But you still need that killing blow because I don't think Mograin is going to solo decks at least uh, to the point that it actually matters on the average game of Hearthstone. Uh, so yeah, um, that is blood, and let's go into frost. Frost, I think, yeah. had, is without doubt. I think you can agree with me when I say that frost is the coolest drone. Oh, look at you! Uh, I am progressing. It's good job. Yes. Also, this is uh, the rogue mage hybrid DK. Could not be more different than blood. Uh, you know, like this is this is. If one thief was a death knight spec sort of thing, uh, there is a lot of card draw. There is a lot of direct damage, a lot of spell triggers, very little minion focus. This is not about minions. This this spec is about spells. Um, and like there's there's kind of a subtle minion payoff thing here, but it is very lightly supported, and you are probably supposed to play this with other uh, with other specs, but you can't really do that with the with the six mana payoff thing. Anyways. Hard to put together how minions are going to fit in here except to support tools, but if you like drawn cards and cheating mana and dealing damage, which I, I like all those things, this is for you. So this is for me. Yeah, this this feels like... Frost Frostrun feels like a rogue mage, maybe demon hunter a bit kind of play style where you're very... Uh, you're damage reliant, you're spell heavy... You're utilizing all sorts of combination of cards in order to cheat mana and manipulate uh, all sorts of synergies, but eventually the purpose is to go face and kill your opponent with that with that kind of damage. Uh, so there's there's definitely a lot of it, it. Definitely looks cool. Definitely looks fun. There's a lot of interesting cards. Uh, obviously, the big payoff uh, for Frost is the triple rune uh, Frostrum's Fury which is a 7-mana card, 7-mana spell that deals 5 damage. It's a frost spell. Freeze all enemy minions, and you summon a 5-5 Frostworm. So basically like a Firelands portal that also casts Frost Nova. When you think about that, that seems pretty nuts. Frost Nova and their stuff. Yeah, only their stuff, not even your stuff. So the freeze effect is very powerful. We know how good freeze is. Hat can tell you. Over, yeah. uh, over his games, over the last expansion. Snowfall Guardian did something wrong, by the way, in case anyone is curious. So you see, uh, and Mage as well, so you see the, like with Frost from Fury, you already understand what with Death Knight, with Frost Death Knight is trying to do, which is kill your opponent with direct damage, but also have the defensive capability to stall the opponent from from racing it. So that's uh, that's pretty much uh, what this card does and is the biggest payoff. Uh, but obviously there's uh, a big card, which is Death Chiller, which is a 2-mana two 2-3 two, with double rune requirement. After you cast a spell, deal 1 damage to 2 random enemies. It cannot hit the same enemy twice. It's not like Flame Waker. But it is a card that you can utilize with the multitude of frost spells, and some of them are cheap, some of them are mana manipulation. 
like Horn of Winter, which I'll mention just just next, uh, in order to devastate your opponent, right? Uh, Horn of Winter, basically zero mana, Frost Spell, that refreshes two mana crystals. So basically the biscuit. After you conjure mana biscuit, you get a biscuit. You get this biscuit as a card in the Death Knight set. So this is very powerful. This can potentially be very good in combination with Death Chiller. You also have Defrost, which is a fantastic draw engine, which is a two-mana spell, draw a card, spend two corpses to draw another. So basically, this can be a two-mana arcane intellect. I think that there will be a lot of um, archetypes that maybe specialize in blood or unholy that may want to tap into Frost just to be able to run uh, Defrost because it's such a, it's probably the best draw engine that is available in the Death Knight class. I imagine a lot of decks will have two Defrost, two Chill Fallen Baron, and that'll be good enough to get you going. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Like, you might consider that. You you might also run, like, Acolyte of Death, maybe in a Swarmy deck, the 3-mana three 3-4, three, with a single rune requirement that after Friendly Undead dies, draw a card. So this kind of fits with maybe an Unholy spec, uh, Swarming playstyle, uh, and, and that kind of that kind of archetype may want to tap into Frost because of that. By the way, I know that they they have said, just a b- brief aside, they've said during uh, discussions, during interviews, that they didn't intend for one of each rune for, for Rainbow DK sort of thing to be a, a, a cohesive deck. But when looking at all these fring- single Frost cards, when I look at Noxious Cadaver and I look at uh, Acolyte of Death, I'm going to try and build Rainbow DK Zoo. I'm totally going to try and do it. Just the lowest cost stuff and all the specs loaded up with Undead and just see what happens. And I think there could be something there. I don't think so, <laughs> but uh, good luck trying. I just think that a lot of the payoffs for a swarm, like an aggressive uh, archetype. By the way, I do think that we're, we're talking about Frost, a lot of the you know, the ability to deal direct damage and stuff. But I do think that even Triple Frost can be an aggressive deck. Yes. Oh, it will be. Well, and I think that the reason why it can be an aggressive deck is because of uh, Marrow Manipulator. Uh, Marrow Manipulator is a 6-mana 5-hour with a Triple Frost requirement that has a battle cry spend up to 5 corpses, deal 2 damage to a random enemy for each. So if the board is clear then you can deal 10 damage to the opponent's face. 6 mana 5-5 five, five that does that. It's kind of crazy. Now, here's the thing. This is a significant corpse requirement. And Frost uh, doesn't have great ways to generate corpses. Like, I think that out of all the, the three specs, Frost probably has the greatest struggle in generate corpses. I think that's going to be a big limiter to this archetype. And, but however, if you're playing an aggressive deck with a lot of minions and you're developing, you have an early game and you're pressuring your opponent, if you're doing that, it's very likely that your opponent will not have a board. And it's also very likely that your corpse count will be pretty high, high enough for Marrow Manipulator to come down to finish the opponent off. So even though Frost definitely has one playstyle, which is like direct damage, you know, run Howling Blast and and Glacial Advance, and deal all that face damage. There's also a subtle way to build an aggressive Frost deck that tops out at at Marrow Manipulator and just devastates the opponent that way. So I think 
that Frost is a bit more versatile than than it initially looks like. Uh, it also has a good one drop in uh, Frostbreaker, which is a one mana one two that Battlecry gains one attack for each Frost spell in your hand. So this can be more like a Flame Imp, kind of a Flame Imp kind of card. Maybe a four two sometimes, a three two uh, for one mana. I think that's can be pretty powerful. So Frost is definitely an interesting uh, rune that I'm probably going to have a lot of fun with. It very much reminds me of like Soul DH maybe, uh, especially with, with weapons like uh, Might of Menethil, which is a 4-mana four 4-2 four uh, with a double Frost requirement. Battlecry spent up to three corpses. Again, it's going to be tricky. I tried building I tried building a deck with Might of Menethil, and Marrow Manipulator, it might be difficult. We might not have the corpses to, to support both of these cards. But if you do spend corpses, up to three corpses, you freeze that many enemy minions. So Might of Menethil can be four mana, four, two weapon that freezes up to three enemy minions, which is, again, it very much fits with uh, Frostworm's uh, Fury, which does the same thing. Deals damage, potentially going face, and freeze the opponent's board. Uh, so you kind of get the sense of what uh, that kind of playstyle is going to be. And personally, I'm a fan of that playstyle, so I'm going to have a lot of fun. But watch out, again, for Marrow Manipulator, potentially an aggressive Triple Frost deck. I think that could be a thing. Uh, yeah. That's uh, kind of it for, for Frost. Um, really cool. Uh, I think we're going to see a lot of Miracle takes, all sorts of uh, ways to combo playstyles in this in this spec, and we can see as well why they nerfed Ice Revenant, which was oh, a, yeah. four, a neutral <laughs> four mana four five. Which whenever you cast a frost spell, gain plus two plus two. They nerfed that to plus one plus one. We might still play it, but I can easily see how this card just got way out of control really really fast. Uh, pre nerf, yeah, Horn of Winter defrost. Um, glacial advance can you can definitely go crazy there and make like a huge threat like a 15 15 maybe on turn five or something can definitely is is possible especially when uh we didn't we didn't mention this but there is a legendary lady death whisper a triple frost payoff that has a death it's a four mana four three with a death rattle copy all frost spells in your hand so imagine that you play this, you copy the Horn of Winters and whatever other frost spells you have, and you just go off with Ice Revenant. You can definitely see that. Also, uh, there is a neutral card, uh, Bone Lord, uh, which oh, yes. was revealed like uh, a yesterday. day, I think yesterday. Uh, the six, it's a neutral. It's a six mana six six with a death death rattle for the rest of the game. Your first card each turn costs zero. And you die in three turns. So this is a huge combo enabler. And I think that Frost Death Knight might might tinker with it. Maybe in combination with spell power in order to try and pseudo OTK the opponent in, in, in a certain way. So uh, that card opens up a lot of you know off-board strategies. It is slow. It's a death rattle. Uh, your opponent can ignore it. Your opponent can disrupt it in some way. They can Theo it. They can patchwork it. 
they can uh, silence it. It's it's not that easy to utilize, but wow, this is it is a crazy card, and I think Frost Frostpect definitely has a chance of of utilizing. And uh, the final the final rune is the unholy rune, and you know when when I look at the unholy, I just think zoo warlock hunter that uh, paladin that kind of thing yeah well it hits a lot of different warlock specs like i think it taps into warlock pretty pretty closely both like it you can get handlock vibes here with stitch giant as well yes uh that is true i think one of the standout cards for sure is the double rune uh stitch giant that costs one less for each corpse you've spent this game and this is the card i've alluded to with uh corpse bride because corpse bride can spend up to eight corpses in order to generate an eight eight so imagine okay let's say during the first four turns somehow i I don't know i think that's going to be unlikely but you can potentially play corpse bride together with stitch giant and make two eight eights and a four four in the same turn maybe you do it not on turn five maybe you do it on turn six but the opportunity is there to make a giant board on the same, like a big swing turn because of the how these two cards synergize together. And I think they work fantastically well. We might see like Corpse Bride, Stead Giant, Battlemaster kind of strategy, uh, very similar to Handlock. So I do agree that you've got the zoo flavor in Unholy, but there's also the Handlock flavor in Unholy as well. Um, there's also more of a the zoo kind of thing is more uh graveyard strength the triple rune uh give four mana card give your minions plus one attack spend five corpses to give them plus three instead so basically bloodlust for one less mana and it's a permanent bloodlust it's not one that turn it's a plus three attack to all your minions so this very much encourages you to make play more like an aggro druid, very aggressive, low to the curve, uh, swarming deck with a lot of maybe early game undeads and just kill your opponent with Gravestack. The thing, though, that did strike me that I feel that Unholy is very limited in is card draw without the ability to tap to another spec. Um, an aggressive Unholy deck is going to be very easy to deplete of resources so if you do go for the grave strength you're risking like being ran out of gas very quickly so the deck needs to be very very quick in its ability to close out games Uh, so that's uh that's one thing but the other thing is what unholy strikes me as is the best corpse generator it is swimming with corpses and probably has the best the greatest ability to leverage corpse payoffs like Orbs Bride, and it's a lot of things to Plagued Grain, which is another triple uh, unholy card, which uh, it's a spell, it's a one-mana spell, gain four corpses, shuffle four crates into your deck that summon a 2-2 undead when drawn. So the shuffling is pretty cool. It's like a squirrel. It's like a vibrant squirrel kind of effect. And that can definitely work. And the zombies, obviously, when they are summoned and die, they give you more corpses. But you get a boost of four corpses in the early game. And that can be huge for 
a lot of synergies that you're looking like. Er, there are a lot of early game cards that utilize corpses in the early game. Like, I'll give you one example. Bone Digger Geist. That is a 2-mana two 2-2. Two, two, that's Battle Cry. Spend the corpse to gain plus 1, plus 2. So this turns into a Totem Golem without the overload. If you have a corpse for 2-mana. Which means you want to generate a corpse in turn one and then play this on turn two. So there's uh, there's definitely early game snowballing potential when it comes to Unholy, and Unholy really knows how to leverage early corpse payoffs. And it's interesting what they did with Plagued Rain because I think this shows the amount of space available in the rune system. This isn't the payoff, this is the enabler uh, for all the other stuff you want to do in Unholy, but it's clear that if this was more splashable in other specs, they would all play it and just ignore the corpse requirements. And instead, you have to decide, do I want to make this easy on myself, and what do I, what am I willing to give up to do it? Yeah, there's definitely a price to pay for going triple Unholy, and it's pretty clear when you when it comes to the deck-building phase, you're swimming in corpses, but you may have struggles, again, with, with card draw. Uh, chill fallen uh, baron is probably going to help uh, but when it comes to the lightning fast uh, unholy deck I'm not sure it wants to run a 3 mana 2-2 two, two. Uh, so that's going to be tough but you look at other like there's a lot of corpse generators even like with things like graveyard shift which is a 3 mana uh, spell summon 2 1-1 one, one zombies with reborn so you basically get 4 corpses in 1 card or cards like uh, Possessier, P- Possessifier, sorry, Possessifier, uh, which is uh, five mana three three with a battle cry summon two fighters with Russian reborn. So again, like another five corpses potentially in one card. So it's very swarmy. Yeah, and I think that something like Unholy Frenzy. Uh, this is it's devouring swarm basically, except it they come back to play instead of the hands three mana choose an enemy minion. Uh, your minions attack it, and you resummon any that die. You get corpses and deal damage, and your minions get to do double duty. So it's not just a removal spell, but it also refreshes your minions and gives you a bunch of corpses to play with. So I wouldn't be surprised if you have a wide board and you're able to slam a bunch of things into a larger minion, get them all back, get your corpse count up. It can be pretty powerful. Yeah, and, and definitely Unholy Spec has the ability... I think more than any other spec to really dominate board. Things like Army of the Dead, which is a five mana spell, raise up to five corpses as two two risen goals with rush. So you can get for five mana five two twos with rush potentially, especially with unholy and the ability to generate corpses. You're gonna be able to do that pretty consistently and just push the opponent off the board and and also like create a threat yourself. Like you're playing, you, you just you just uh, summoned five tokens of 2-2 and if your opponent doesn't deal with them maybe you play grave strength and just kill them or probably my favorite card from the unholy spec uh you might be surprised to hear that but it's tomb guardians i am not surprised to hear that you're not no this is giggling inventor uh, i guess so had uh four mana uh two rune requirement Tomb Guardians, a four-mana spell. Summon two two zombies with taunt. Spend four corpses to give them reborn. So here's the great thing about it. First of all, that's a lot of taunt. That is two two twos, right? That have taunt, and when they die, they make two ones with taunt as well. So that's uh, six health and taunt, 
across four bodies. That is very annoying to get past Utu. But the other great thing, this card pays for itself. Because if you spend the four corpses to give them reborn, you are generating four bodies that when they die, give you corpses. So when Tomb Guardians die, they give you back the four corpses that you spend. So you're able to spend corpses a significant amount to potentially discount Stitch Giant. But you get the corpses back the next, maybe the next turn or two, and your corpse count is still high, so you can play things like uh, Corpse Bride or Army of the Dead. So for me, Tomb Guardian, my favorite card in the Holy Spec, I think every Unholy deck is going to run it. It's just too good, too sticky, and it's basically Giggling Inventor. I didn't think about that uh, comparison, but it's it's very, very uh, compatible with what this card does. And another card that I think that people need to pay attention to is Blightfang. This is one of the expansion cards, March of the, Li- March of the Lich King cards. 3 mana, 3-3. Three, three. Battlecry infect all enemy minions, just like Blood Boil. When they die, you summon a 2-2 zombie with taunt on your board. So you're facing a swarming board against the unholy death knight. You play a blightfang, you start trading, and you just completely swing the board with this, potentially. Because every time their minion dies, you get a taunt on your board. Imagine the hell it is to try and value trade your way as the opponent against the Death Knight that just played Bladefang against you. Like this card for a 3 mana 3-3 three, three can potentially just turn a game. Uh, so yeah, when it comes to Unholy, the thing that strikes me is huge minion dominance, board dominance. This is probably the best Denathrius spec. Oh, for sure. Very likely to birth a successful Denathrius deck, maybe with with Renathal, uh, sort of like a Beast Hunter type of thing. Uh, watch out for that. Like either you go high curve with maybe Denathrius, or you go the Handlock approach and focus on the Stitch Giant uh, Corpse Bride, or you go super aggro with Triple Unholy and Grave Strength. Those are the directions that I can see with Unholy. I'm gonna I'm gonna Call it right now, going to call it prediction that Unholy will have the highest win rate out of of the three specs in the first week uh, just because it's very paladin-y. It's very like... It's the curve minion spec. Like if you want to play curve minions, then you're going to play Unholy. And I imagine it will be the easiest to find the first draft that wins games. It's the most proactive, it's on curve, it's very clear what you're trying to do. I'm not going to say that it's the easiest to necessarily figure out. Who knows what we're going to figure out? Who knows what's going to be broken? I already have the perfect 40 hat. I have the perfect 40. Oh, I'm 40. sure you do. Yeah. I have the perfect 40 for Unholy. I'm not going to... You're going to see it in the... There's going to be there's some time until the... I know, until the ethereal crafting, but I think I already have a draft that nails it. We're going to do it, hat. We're going to break the game once again. But yeah, uh... Unholy is uh is pretty cool to be honest. Not as cool as Frost, maybe, but it is kind of interesting. Okay. I get what you're doing. Uh I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. So those are the three specs of Death Knight overall. I'm so excited about this. I'm really happy with the hero power that they made for Death Knight. I think it's perfect. You know, I was uh 
for months I was thinking about maybe there's a new class, but I was like wrestling. What kind of hero power are they going to do? They kind of did all the possible hero powers. What can you do that adds to a new class makes it unique? And they they nailed it. They nailed it with a ghoul charge. It's perfect. It's a ping. It works just like mage, kind of. It's a little bit different, but it also generates a corpse for you, so it fits with the with the class mechanic. It's perfect. I love the hero power. I think it's great design. And overall, I think definitely looks great. I will say, it doesn't look like Demon Hunter. It, this is yeah. not going to be... I don't think it's going to be Demon Hunter. I think it, it, it's likely going to be strong. I, I think that it's likely that there are going to be one or two Death Knight decks that are going to be powerful and successful, especially at the start of the expansion. But I don't anticipate... I mean, we'll have to see what the other classes are, right? Because it's all relative. But I'm not getting the sense of like, oh, they went absolutely crazy. There's no card when I'm seeing with Death Knight that's like imprisoned Antian kind of thing. I saw it early before the expansion launch or like Twin Slice. And I said, oh, wait wait a minute. What is this card? This is like <laughs> way stronger than anything else we've seen from any other classes in Hearthstone's history. And there were like 10 cards like that in, in, in Demon Hunter. So I'm not getting that impression uh, when I'm looking at Deathlight. So it's going to be cool. And it's going to be really interesting to see all the other class cards from all the other classes. And there's a lot to see and a lot to look forward to. And yeah, I'm super excited about this. Like, it just looks so cool. Even though it's not Monk. Even though it's not Monk. Yeah, well, someday, someday, we'll get Pandas. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, but I'm looking forward to Death Knight too. It's, I don't build a lot of my own decks. I am a big, big net decker. DK, the way the rune system works makes me want to try the thing that I don't normally try, which is just building decks, which is clicking through cards, seeing how the different pieces fit together, seeing what could work, what makes sense, what sacrifice I have to make. It's clearer than I expected it to be because the initial discussion of Death Knight, the, the initial reveal was so information dense that it felt hard to parse. But when you click through the deck lists and use the deck builder in the, on the website and in the client, I'm sure... It's pretty straightforward, just cards turn red and then you can't play them. And you have to say, do I really want to do that? Do I really want to do this? And then the rest of the pieces just kind of fall into place. Yeah, I'm I'm just hoping for one thing. I'm just hoping for one thing that they quickly make it able for you, make make it possible to filter uh, runes. Uh, I'm sure they'll, they'll do it uh, soon enough. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> make us able to filter uh, for runes because we can't right now. Because I build decks, Hat. I build a lot of decks. Yes, you do. And this is what all this is all I do. Uh, so uh, that would be very helpful. Uh, but yeah, that thing looks super cool. I I have to say, I have to commend the design uh, of of this class and how it's pretty complicated. They what what was interesting is that they did not back out from difficult challenges. They didn't say, oh, this is too. Like the rune system is pretty complex. The balancing of the rune system is pretty complex. Determining whether a card is a one rune or a two rune requirement and all that stuff. It's uh it's pretty elaborate. But the thing is, I, I feel is that even though there is complexity in deck building, I think the play the play experience is going to feel it's not gonna feel intimidating. Uh I think that 
they kind of nailed every spec, every rune pretty well in terms of flavor. And you're going to understand what you're playing pretty quickly. So I think this is the magic of Hearthstone, where there's there's a lot of complexity of depth and depth, but at the end, when you start the game, there is beautiful simplicity that players of every level can relate to, right? So I think in that sense, they they did a great job. So um, it's going to be great. I'm looking forward to it. But that's all that we have for today. So thank you so much for tuning in. We should have a normal podcast next week. Uh, We're we're going to... Do we know when we're going to switch over to like preview podcasts or anything like that? Because I think that we're winding down the interesting things, the nice, the frozen yeah. throne that it has to offer. It's 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 very likely that in the next podcast we're going to continue and have fun talking about the new cards that were revealed. We talked about Death Knight right now. We'll see what kind of packages are coming this week. We're probably going to discuss them as well. If there's some interesting, really specific metal-related stuff that's worth talking. We'll discuss that. But you can expect the next podcast that we'll have to be mostly discussing the new expansion and the new packages. And you're going to hear from me and Hat about how we really want to play that and how cool that's going to be and how powerful this seems to be and how bait that card is. So, yeah. So, hopefully, you'll tune in you'll tune in and listen to our thoughts that are going to sound extremely stupid once all the cards are launched and we find out that we were wrong about everything. I look forward to that. Otherwise, listener, thank you so much for being here. Uh, VS Gold, VS Silver Patreon members, extra special thanks to you for subbing, supporting. Helps us out a lot. You can look forward to the next report. Well, the Wild Report is going to be later today, uh, but you'll probably hear this after you've read that. So our normal report should be at normal time, Thursday the 17th. We will try and have a podcast for Saturday the 19th, as as usual. And uh, Evil Dave, thank you so much for the podcast transcriptions. Steven Sensei, thank you so much for the intro and outro. We will talk to you all soon. The Data Reaper Podcast is an official production of Vicious Syndicate. Don't forget to sign up and contribute your game data to improve the quality of the weekly Data Reaper report. Instructions are available on our website, along with lots of other weekly content at viciousyndicate.com. Thank you to all of our patrons and data contributors for proving their strength in numbers.